Amen. Thank you. Good morning, church. I trust we all had a good week, and we are also enjoying the weekend. Uh, we are still on our journey in the book of John. Last week, we concluded that no matter the assaults uh, on the church by the enemy, the truth in God's word that Jesus is the Son of God and He is God uh, will never be muted. It will be shared irrespective of the insurmountable opposition. Amen. Today is our 53rd installment and we are reading the first 17 verses of chapter 11. So go with me to John chapter 11 and I'm not going to stop till I reach verse 17. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because... The light is not in him. Verse 11. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. 12. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found out that he had already been in the tomb. Days. Based on today's reading, I'm ministering under the sub-theme, Who Understands God? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the inspiration behind this word. I thank you that as you have given this word to me, I will articulate it exactly as commanded to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this story teaches us four important lessons that I would like to delve into before we get into 
them eat up the story. The first lesson we see is that true Christians can get sick. It's a reality. We believe in healing. We confess divine health. But Christians do get sick. The Bible describes Lazarus as the one whom Jesus loved. Very close to Jesus. But he was sick. Are we supposed to surrender to sickness? No. Because of the provision of divine healing. We are not. But don't find it strange when a Christian is sick or experiences some sort of terminal disease or ailment or something. There are some people all that it takes for their faith to be shaky is like, oh, how come the Christian got cancer? Why wouldn't he? But the truth of the matter is that it's not having the cancer that should let you stop there. It is believing and applying your faith and believing God and standing on his promise that you will be healed. That is what matters. Amen. So Christians do get sick. That's one thing. Christians do face troubles. Christians do face hard times. So the evangelistic message that you heard that come to Jesus and all your troubles are gone. It's not entirely true. Troubles are present with us. The only difference that when we come into Christ is that he gives us strength to endure. He gives us power to overcome and rest in his ability. The second thing that you see in this story is Jesus is a Christian's best friend in time of need. I don't know what sort of difficulty you might be involved in. I don't, I don't know what sort of problem that you are saddled with. You may not feel you have anybody, but Jesus is there with you. Jesus is a Christian's best friend in time of need, no matter the struggle. You know, sometimes human beings, they get wary of advising you. After some time, when you call them, they will never pick up again because they'll say, oh, this same problem, but come to Jesus no matter how tedious or how hard the problem is, he's going to be there. And that gives me great confidence and it gives me a lot of hope. The third thing, Jesus loves us regardless. Depending on our stage of our spiritual growth. Because this story, you will see people's stage of of spiritual growth depending on how they know God. You see, your, your stage of spiritual growth can really be determined on how do you know God, especially when you are faced with tough or hard times. Some are able to have a matured response to troubles, others too not so well. But regardless, Jesus still loves us the same. He is not going to disown or abandon somebody because you are not responding like a true Christian when push meets to shovel. He's not going to do that. So Jesus loves us regardless. And Jesus also doesn't love the one 
who has developed a strong, matured spiritual stance to problems. He doesn't love him more than the one who is behaving infantile. Jesus loves us all the same regardless. One thing that you can see in the 17 verses is Jesus' love is constant. Irrespective of whether you know him, whether you are maturing in the faith, or whether you are still struggling to grow. Jesus loves us. The fourth thing that is very important and very crucial that I want all of us to get is God chooses his time to operate and not according to our time or calendar. Let that sit in. So God will respond, but sometimes he chooses his time to operate and he will not come according to your time or your calendar. Now let's get into the story. Verse 1, it starts with a certain man. So this lets me know that it's not really a parable. And like I tell you, a parable is normally a story. Most times it's a story. Most times it's just fiction. It's a figment of man's imagination. But this was not really a parable. This was a true life account that happened to a real person. That's why a certain man is there. It, it, it speaks with certainty that Lazarus was a real man who experienced this. This is not one of these fictionalized based on a true story movie. You know sometimes when you watch a movie and they will write based on a true story. It doesn't mean that the movie is true. It, it's fictional. Even though they may use true events, it's still fictional. You know, like a typical movie is like Braveheart. You know, it's, it's a true movie about Scots and English. But if you know a bit about the, the, the story about William Wallace and, and the English, it's historically inaccurate. So what you are just watching, that Braveheart, he has painted his face blue and white. It's just for Hollywood. It's not really true. So based on a true story, this is actually a real life account. Are you understanding me? So it, it really happened. That's what we have to know. And the Bible lets us know that Jesus loved Lazarus. Martha and Mary. And see what Martha did. She poured the most expensive bottle of spikenard oil on Jesus' feet. We, we will come to chapter 12. Martha, she was the one who was encumbered with much serving. So when they see Jesus, they normally, you know, they really treat Jesus. They, they were very hospitable to Jesus. They looked after him. They catered, they catered after him. They received him, gave him meals. They were always nice to him. Now the Bible, Martha and Mary, these two sisters who welcomed Jesus, they sent a message to Jesus that our brother is sick. The one you love. And the Bible lets us know that when Jesus heard that Lazarus is sick, he just said, look, the sickness is not going to kill him. But it is for the glory of the Son of Man. 
I mean, sometimes, look, no matter how much a problem someone is in, sometimes words, words cannot pacify the situation. Honestly. Really process this when they when Jesus was told this. And the Bible says that when they told Jesus this, he they started to say two more days. So probably it was a four day span. So it, it, it could have happened that the situation got worse on the second day. And they told Jesus. And when they told Jesus, Jesus just said, Look. The sickness is not going to kill him. It's for the glory of the Son of Man. And he stayed two more days, which made it four more days. Now, I find something funny here. Nobody came to tell Jesus that Lazarus is dead. Do you understand? It just struck me like, wow, when I read this story, who really came to tell Jesus that Lazarus is dead? Nobody. It was a serious one. But the Bible says that Jesus loved Lazarus that he stayed two more days. And the way Jesus was talking, he was talking like God. So, the, the statement of Jesus that the sickness will not kill him. But it is for the manifestation of the glory of the Son of God. That statement underscored Jesus' divinity as God. So there are two things that we can really take from the statement that Jesus is God. He knows the end from the beginning. In the Old Testament, the person who knew the end from the beginning is God. Say, I am the Lord. The beginning. Now, right who came in the flesh also declaring the end from the beginning? He knew what will happen. He knew that Lazarus would die. He declared the end from the beginning. So Jesus talking, it gave an insight to him as truly the son of God and as God. The second thing that you learn from this story is that he was confident that Lazarus would die of the sickness so that his glory could be manifested. Sometimes you can be in a situation and things may go from worst to worst. Could it be like God is already confident of the outcome of the situation for his glory to be manifested? In your life as a child of God. So these two statements like I said. They really unveil the divinity of Christ. And Jesus did something. That was even more outstanding. And you couldn't understand it. He stayed for two more days. The moral of the story. Is that sometimes we can be hit with painful curveballs. And if you don't take care, these painful curveballs can shake your faith. It's one of those moments, if you don't take care, you can become easily embittered. And who will be the object of your bitterness? It could be God. 
Mary and Martha would have been disappointed because they knew Jesus is a healer. They believed in him. In fact, other accounts say they were disciples. They were witnesses of what Jesus did. They heard of the things Jesus did. So for this reason, they are like, let us call Jesus. We have access to him. He comes to this house. And when they sent for Jesus, he didn't come. Those days, there was nothing like an email or a WhatsApp or a phone call. So if you are going to stay somewhere for two days, you will just have to guess. He didn't show up. And I'm sure they will be saying things like, this man healed all manner of sicknesses and diseases. He even healed strangers he didn't know. He even healed non-Jews. Do you know that in the Bible, Jesus healed non-Jews? The centurion is one. A Syrophoenician woman is one. He healed non-Jews. But how come you will not heal somebody you love? How come you will not come to our house? This same house, when you come here, we break our backs and we serve you. Is this how we are repaid? I'm sure they were sad. I'm sure they were bitter. Because they had banked all their hopes on Jesus. Who gives life to the dead. But Jesus never showed up. And Christian brother and sister. One thing that you have to know today. Is that sometimes God will respond. But he will not respond in your time. He will respond in his time. Why? Because he is God. Very painful. Can you relate? I can. Have you been so desperate that sometimes you are believing God for some deliverance, some intervention, and then it doesn't happen? And you will get angry at God. Who can understand God? But there's a scripture in Psalm 135 verse 6. That cracks the seal a bit. I don't know whether it will help. But it's good if we know. The Bible says in Psalm 135 verse 6. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and in earth. In the seas and in deep places. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. Whenever, however. So God is not really accountable to our timelines. God is accountable to his word. And he is accountable to his sovereignty. There is something called the sovereignty of God that we will have to factor in our relationship and in our worship with God. Do we really know his counsel? Do we know his mind? We did it in the book of Romans, I think four weeks ago, when we were ending chapter 9. The Bible says that who is God's counselor? Who can counsel him? Nobody. As Christians, when we come into this walk with God, sometimes we come to a place where we want to sort of predict God. And God can't be predicted. And that is a huge slice of humble pie for all of us. 
God can't be predicted. The Bible lets us know that whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth. The Lord does what he pleases, however, whenever. That is the God we serve. So, God is not accountable to our timelines. Yes, we might have expected that deliverance to happen, but it didn't happen. We might have expected that miracle to happen, but it didn't happen. Why? Because the Bible lets us know that whatever the Lord pleases, he does. Whenever, however, that is the God you and I serve. And thank God for your fasting. I believe in fasting. But how much of your fasting can move God? The Lord pleases as he does. Whenever, however. Thank God for your prayer marathons. But how much of your prayer marathons can move God? Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. Whenever, however. Today, as you are listening to me, may we venerate the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. And that's one thing we have to know. God is not predictable. You can't predict God. Because the Bible has written it in Psalm 135 verses. Whatever the Lord does, he pleases. We don't understand it all. And this is where humility needs to come in when we are in our walk with God. Such a painful event. Jesus didn't show up and he gave no reason. There was no method to the madness. But the Bible lets us know that whatever the Lord pleases, he does. Whenever, however. Why? Because God is sovereign. Thank God for your faith conversions. And we teach on faith. And we believe in faith. But how much of your faith confessions can move God? And if you are listening to me carefully, I am not saying don't fast or pray. Neither am I against biblical declarations or faith proclamations. We do all of those. They are all scriptural. They are all in line. But also remember that we are dealing with a sovereign God. Yes, God wants to deliver us. Yes, God wants to come through for us. Yes, God wants to intervene for us. But remember Psalm 135 verses. He does. And I like Romans how it ended. Who can cancel God? Who is God's counselor? Who can cancel God and tell him, come at this time or don't come at this time? God is sovereign. And he does things according to how it pleases him. Whenever and however. And what pleased God was for him to stay two more days for Lazarus to die. And it never made sense. Jesus, don't you care that these people will cry? Don't you care that these people will mourn? Do you know that funeral expenses are very high? It's expensive to bury somebody. What about if they didn't have life insurance? Lord, instance. But the Lord says, I'm sovereign. So today, the, 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 the message that you will have to get out of this story is that God is sovereign. We don't know God. 
We are just privileged to enter into a relationship with God. Many manifold character, his many manifold natures. We are just seeing just a bit of it. So the fact that you have that close proximity with God should not make you feel that I know God, I can predict God. You can't predict God. Psalm 135 verse 6. Let this scripture ring in your spirit. The Bible says that for God does what pleases him. Whenever and however. He might not always come at your time. He might not always come in your calendar. And who told you God works with Gregorian calendar? God works in his time. And sometimes that is the pie for us to bite and swallow. Now, wow. I don't know God like that. I will have to humble myself to his sovereignty because he's supreme above all other gods. Amen. Now, Lazarus died. And when Lazarus died, Jesus said, Let's go back to Judea. The consistent nature of God is he's a helper. The consistent nature of God is he loves. The consistent nature of God is he intervenes. But sometimes when we are struggling and, and we are at our wit's end, don't prescribe to God your time. You could be disappointed. And it could make you better. And there are many Christians who have left the faith because they will say that God has disappointed me. And the truth of the matter is he didn't disappoint you. He just didn't come at the time you expected. But he never disappointed you. You dropped the towel too soon. Now, after Lazarus had been dead for four days, Jesus was prepared to go to Judea. And ladies and gentlemen, if, we, if you, you follow the, the book of John so far, Judea was one of the places where Jesus was a wanted man. He was going to be stoned. In fact, just the previous chapter in John chapter 10, he was in the region of Judea when he said, I and my father are one. And they took stones that they were going to stone him. It was in the region of Judea, Jerusalem, where that happened. So it was still a fresh memory. And Jesus says that, you know what? Let us go to Judea. It really makes me see the love of God here. Jesus is prepared to go to a place where he's a wanted man just to attend to a friend. Have you been there before? This, this is even a, 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 a place of death. There are some of us, we, are, we have places of shame. We will not even pass there again. This is a place of death. But he was prepared to go just to attend to a friend. And when he mentioned that, the disciples got confused. Because they are like, wow, you want us to go to Judea again? Have you forgotten that Judea, you are wanted? Have you forgotten that if we go to Judea, you will be stoned and we could also be killed? 
they are going to kill you. But because you are associated with the guy, you could die. Death by association. Like, wow. I will die too. When what came out from his slump? Do we? Because when Jesus told them that, like, oh, Lazarus is taking an afternoon nap. If Lazarus is taking an afternoon nap, Jesus, I don't understand you. What? Where you are wanted, that you could be likely killed just to go. What was the point? Jesus said, that, "Let me tell you the truth." Lazarus is dead. Simple. Let's go. I put. It really lets me see how Jesus even sizes up problems. And when you read verse 11, you even see how Jesus even described death. He called death sleep. May I announce to you that death is not sleep for everybody. Death is only sleep for those who are called by God and whom God loves. And has made his purpose manifold to them. So when a Christian dies, he is asleep. When an unbeliever dies, truly he is dead. So that is one big difference between a Christian dying and an unbeliever dying. And that's why I have said in time past, it was appointed for man to die once. And after death judgment, all of us will die. No matter how much vitamins we take, no matter how much faith declarations we make, we will all die. But the best thing about being a Christian is that when you die, you sleep. Why do you sleep? Because you sleep in anticipation of the resurrection morning. That will come at the end of the age. Where the Bible lets us know that we will receive glorified bodies. And why are we asleep? We are asleep because the destructive effect of death Hell and the devil cannot touch our spirit, our soul, our body. Yes, the body will be rotten, but we are asleep. Because one day when Jesus comes again, and at the sound of the trumpet, we shall be awoken to the resurrection, where we will experience the glory of God. Amen. So even like the Christians who have been killed in Afghanistan, as horrible as their death was, they are asleep. Think of somebody you knew who was a Christian, who has maybe died. Even this pandemic, look at how many Christians who died. No matter how horrible or horrific the death was, they are just asleep. Death didn't touch their soul. Death didn't touch their spirit. For people like this, we can truly say, rest in peace. And they are really resting. Why? Because the resurrection morning that will occur at the end of this age, they will definitely be participants of it. Amen. Jesus spoke plainly and he told them, Lazarus is dead. With that said, the Bible lets us know a guy called Thomas and he was called the twin. And why was he called the twin? Because it was said among commentators that among all the people of Jesus, Thomas really looked like Jesus. There was a physical semblance between Thomas and Jesus. That's why Thomas is called the twin. So, you know what? 
let's just go and die with him that's it <laughs> it's just as simple as that I, I mean we don't even understand we are going to die let's go and die let's go to our place of death it might sound hopeless but it also make me know that the disciples yielded to the master and ladies and gentlemen for us to really see the miraculous intervention of God we have to come to a place of yielding. It's at the place of yielding that the, the disciples will see the miracle that will unfold in the next verses that we'll read along in the subsequent weeks. But you can't see the power of God. You can't see the miraculous intervention of God until you come to a place of yielding. You see, Thomas demonstrated that. And when Thomas demonstrated that, I think all the disciples were like, let's follow suit and let's go. But when they went, they didn't die. They rather saw the glory of the Lord. And in our next verses, like I said, when we read, we will begin to see why. But one of the things I want us to keep in mind is, I don't know what you are going through. I don't know the struggle you might be going through. I don't know the hardship or the rough patches in your life that you're experiencing currently. But I'm here to tell you that Christ is an intervener. Christ will show up. But... Be flexible, be humble, and know that the God that we serve, He is sovereign. And He will do as He pleases, whenever and however. Look, I've had many questions. I've prayed for people who have died. I don't know the answer to that. I've also prayed for people who have been healed miraculously. I don't know the answer to that. I will not pretend to know the answer. All I can say is grace. There are times I have prayed a lot. I have not experienced certain things. There are times I have not even prayed. I have experienced certain things. It's all. Because God, he does whatever he pleases. However, whenever. The God that we serve He's a sovereign God. Never forget that. Isaiah 55 even says it. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. No matter how close you get towards Jesus, no matter how close you grow in this Christian work of faith with God, you will still not know his thoughts and you will still not know his ways. This is where humility needs to come in. You will have to serve God with humility and like a child, depending on him, rather than predicting him to be who he is. Because let me tell you, if you try to put God in a box, he will, not, he will never fit into the box. He will break out of the box. We can't predict God. We serve a sovereign God. So yes, that death doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make meaning. You might be hurting from that, but it's in the hands of God. 
Because God does as he pleases. Whenever. However. Why should your marriage be struggling? And you are a Christian. It might not make sense. You might have prayed and prayed and prayed. You are saying, God, come now. I'm here to tell you, he will come. But be flexible to when he will show up. Because God does as he pleases. Whenever, however. After giving so much, you might be impoverished. And no one may even seem to care and, 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 and even offer you a helping hand. Well, I'm here by declaring the counsel and the mind of God. He will show up. But whenever, however. They evicted you out of the apartment. Maybe that mortgage has been repossessed. But you are a Christian, right? And you are saying, Lord, why didn't you come in the nick of time? Yes, he may have done it before. But you can't predict God's ways. Let's learn to trust in the sovereignty of God. One sure thing is that God will always show up. Always. But it will not be in your time. Have the internal fortitude this morning to believe in the sovereignty of God. Because I asked the question in the form of my sub-theme this morning. Do we understand God? And I hear my answer. Nobody understands God because he is sovereign. We serve a God who is too big for our imagination. We serve a God that is too big for our logic to even fathom. Psalm 135 verse 6. That is my scripture for today. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. However, whenever. You may have prayed about the situation. Continue to pray. Continue to believe God that he will come through. But let me tell you something. God might not show up in your time. And that's okay. I'll keep waiting. I'll keep hoping. Because the Bible says that where I will lift up my eyes onto the hills, from whence come my help. My help comes from the Lord. God surely wants to help. God surely wants to help us out of our tough situations. But let us learn to humble ourselves and walk, lock in step with God, knowing that He is sovereign. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Some of us, we have to really forgive God. God is not your problem. You just can't seem to figure him out. And it's okay. You can never figure God. His ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. No matter how close we get to God, there is still that air of mystique that makes him God. 
forgive him. He is not the source of your pain. If he was the source of your pain, you wouldn't have come to him in the first place. So he's not the source of your pain. But you are bitter because you are expecting, Lord, you are supposed to answer it September. Who told you he works by, by your timeline? Whatever pleases God, that's what he does. The sovereignty of God. The one who you love is sick. Jesus said, I will stay two more days. This sickness is not going to kill him. But it's for the manifestation of the glory of God. And sometimes when we go through tough times, sometimes it's just for the manifestation of the glory of God. So sometimes the timing might not be according to your timing. Accept it. That job that you wanted, that you prayed for, you gave money for, and you didn't get it. It's for the manifestation of the glory of God. Let's learn how to accept the sovereignty of God and say, I don't know him. Look, none of us understands God. You can't understand him. And that is what makes him God. So today, I just want us to have that humility of heart to say that, Lord, I want to walk, lock in step with your plan, your purpose, and your will. Begin to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Live here with the assurance that God loves you. Live here with the assurance that God intervenes. Live here with the assurance that when you call upon God to help, He will help. Because He is a present help in time of need. However, don't come to Him with your timeline. Sometimes He will respond to your timeline Sometimes he will not respond to your timeline. But what you will have to know is that he will respond. It might not just be according to your timeline. Because whatever the Lord wants to do, he does as he pleases. Whenever, however. Never forget that. And next week, we will see why Jesus had to delay two more days. It has a beautiful ending to the story. Trust God. I'm here to tell you that no matter the tough situation in your life, it has a beautiful ending to the story. So relax. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. You might want to 
quit the faith, but don't forgive God. He is coming through, but not in your time. He will come at his own time, but he will still deliver you. We give you praise, O Lord. We submit to your sovereignty. We humble ourselves. Thank you for this word. I've delivered what you've wanted me to say to your people, O Lord. I pray that as they meditate on this, may it make meaning, may it make sense. Throw more lights, throw revelation on this word for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Over to you, Pastor Roberts.